My name is Ed Bondarenko, and I am not your normal fluffy insurrectionist. And working the board and the phone lines is Derek Stone, who also co-hosts, or I should say hosts, Stone Cold Sports Sundays at noon 30, right after my friend Sean Todd, the Rock and Rev on the intersection at noon. It's not your normal fluffy Christian show. But right now you're listening to your American heritage. It's day 423 of the coup. The theft of the American government by enemies, both foreign and domestic. So let's go to war, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of this country that you have placed us in and help us protect and preserve this gift that you have given us. Please lead us and guide us today and in the days to come. Please restore the political prisoners in DC to their freedom. And please continue to awaken the American people from their slumber. Those that are not aware of the danger, both the danger of this country and their own personal danger of their own salvation. Please have there be a great awakening in this country and move that way. Please help us retake the government from the traitors and criminals that have stolen it. And please move mightily and either bring those oppressors to a place of repentance or imprisonment. Thank you, Father. Amen. So... Derek, do we have a guest? Or did he drop off? No, I'm here. Oh, hi, Bill. Okay, great. Then let me start again. Please welcome our friend William Federer, historian, author, and patriot. Bill, you know, he's been on the show before. He's our friend. He has a website at AmericanMinute.com. Please go there and sign up for his daily email. You can learn a lot. I I learn all kinds of stuff and Bill's very thorough and yet he's he's readable. So today we're going to learn about the man who saved Western civilization. But first a few words from someone attempting to destroy Western civilization. I, uh, <laughs> well, I just want you to know I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. Well, that's debatable, especially anybody make a statement like that in public, letting the Irish hear. There goes the Irish vote, by the way. But we just had St. Patrick's Day a couple days ago, and I would like Bill to explain to us the importance of St. Patrick to our civilization. So, hi, Bill. You're at a convention right now, a homeschool convention? Yes, yes, in Greenville, South Carolina, and it parents that send their kids out of the public school system uh, that are it, it's really just the way things are supposed to be I mean these moms are going around they're looking at what they want to teach their kids and the dads are pushing the strollers behind them <laughs> and um, just a lot of excited kids and and all these curricul- makes me want to be a kid again I mean they're learning chemistry they're learning science they're learning math astronomy I mean all these different things and of course I'm here giving some talks on history. But the St. Patrick is a great story. Well, I'd like to speak to I'd like to speak to what you're doing right now because one way to avoid crazy public schools is to pull your kids out. One way of not having to worry about crazy school uh, school boards that want to subjugate your kids, wear make may uh, uh, learn sexual techniques and read pornography and wear masks in school and distance themselves is just pull them out. Is that not right? Yeah, and it is happening by the thousands that parents are realizing that 
um, it's gone from the public schools ignoring contributions of, you know, Christians and people of the past, and now they're blaming Christians for all the problems. And they're, they're anything bad that happens in the world, well, there's those terrible Christians, so these kids are coming out of school saying Christianity's bad. So it's gone from ignoring the fact that it was Christians that founded the country to, uh, to now blaming them for all the problems. And, um, and of course, Islam gets a, a free pass. So Muhammad <laughs> owned slaves. Islam enslaved 180 million Africans in the 1400 years of Islam. And they're still enslaving people. It goes on today with the Boko Haram and Nigeria and, and uh, they're in Sudan and Niger, Maritania. They still have slavery of blacks in Africa. The Black Lives Matter is all silent. It's like they want reparations for the past, but they don't care about the black lives that are actually enslaved right now by these Islamic Sharia countries. And anyway. Um, and your the, books, uh, wait a minute, your books and DVDs would be helpful in a homeschool environment, I take it. Yes, yes. So um, my website's AmericanMinute.com, and I have uh, probably 25 books that um, you know my wife and I put together. And... They all um, are geared toward going through the history without the editing that's taken place in the secular history books. So, uh, for example, I've actually seen a, a textbook where it has the, the Mayflower Compact. And it, in the t public school textbook, it'll say, having undertaken a voyage to plant the first colony on the northern parts of Virginia. It's like, okay, what did they leave out? Having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith of voyage to plant the first colony on the northern parts of Virginia. It's like, oh yeah, we, we just happened to edit that out. And, um, and so these kids are going through school thinking, well, there wasn't any Christians in the past, but now, like I said, this critical race theory is teaching that anybody that has any Judeo-Christian faith or any you know European type background is evil. And of course, my counter is that you are a spirit, mind, and body. And your mind is like a super fancy computer. It's more than that, but it's at least that. And your body's like the computer case, which makes it silly for people to argue over what color the computer case is. You know, <laughs> red computers are better than blue computers. Like, doesn't matter what color the case is. What matters is what software, what apps are on it. But doesn't matter what color your phone is, but what apps, it doesn't matter what color somebody's skin is, is what behavioral software is running on their brain. Is it... This malware, spyware, corrupted files, transgender, they don't even know if they're a boy or a girl and there's no right, there's no wrong and they can whack old people on the street and smash windows. Or is it uh, behavioral software that says, love your enemies, do good to them that hurt you and, and be responsible. And you know, so the battle is who gets to load the software on the next generation's brains. Wow, that's excellent. Yeah, Thou Shalt Not Kill is a good one, too. So you mentioned the Mayflower Compact, and I happen to know from reading your website that uh, actually the events in history that proceeded from Patrick's activity <laughs> led to Puritans coming to this shore eventually. And uh, that's interesting. Why don't you start to tell us about what brought us to, to Patrick and then his influence? Right, so Rome was falling. Uh, Rome was founded 527 BC, and Patrick was born around 400 AD. And we go around the other side of the world, China begins to build the Great Wall. And this makes it so the Huns, which are a Mongolian type people group, can no longer attack into China. So they turn west and attack 
the neighboring tribe, which attacks the neighboring tribe, which attacks the neighboring tribe. And you have a domino effect of displaced tribes that begin to spill across the Roman borders. So Rome, in a sense, is being invaded by a lot of illegal immigrants. And at first they come slow, learn the Latin language. Then they come so fast, they keep their own language. And then Rome has to pull its legions back from the frontiers to protect Rome itself. And one of the frontier settlements was Britain, originally founded by Julius Caesar, you know, who lives around 45 BC, but now it's 400 AD. And the Romans pulled their legions out. Uh, a couple other things. The Roman Empire uh, was really into violent entertainment. They were really into sexual immorality. Uh, they were had the, the bread in the circus. The Roman emperors would give away free bread, a dole, D-O-L-E, a dole of wine and bread to the, the people. And the people went from a republic where they would elect their leaders to, hey, which leader is going to give me the most free stuff? And then violent entertainment. Uh, they realized that the inner cities were now being uh, run by mobs. And these, if you just kept these mobs entertained, then they wouldn't try to overthrow, you know, they wouldn't riot. And so they had put on this violent, so-called bread in the circus. Um, Romans had outsourced all of their grain production to North Africa. It was like the grain basket. And so when the Vandals, one of the tribes that came through Rome, they vandalized uh, they went through Spain into North Africa and they captured it and they held back the grain. So suddenly Rome has a shortage. It would be like if China held back everything, we'd have a shortage. Or Ukraine and, or um, Russia. Yeah. And then they had exposure of unwanted infants. It was their version of abortion. So the Romans would, uh, the mothers would lay, bear a child and lay it at the father's feet. If the father picked it up and they They'd kept it. If the father did not pick it up, the mother had to put it in a basket and set it outside, let it get exposed to the elements and die. As a matter of fact, Rome was founded by two abandoned boys. And, you know, the legend is that a wolf came by and nursed Romulus and Remus and they grew up and they founded Rome. Um, but nevertheless, exposure unwanted infants. You had <clears throat> uh, sexual immorality with bathhouses. Um, so the word gym, G-Y-M, is Greek for naked. In a bathhouse, there were a bunch of naked men ran around. And then you had slavery. So even beginning with Julius Caesar, who raided in Gaul, which is Europe, uh, they, he would capture Slavic people groups. The, you, you know, where, where Yugoslav, Czechoslav, Slovenia, Slovakia. And the, uh, the Slavs would be captured and taken to Rome and given away as permanent servants. So the name Slav got the connotation of a permanent servant. Of course, today we pronounce the word slave. And so slavery didn't start in 1619, right? right. You had slavery back in Roman times. And, and then you had um, the church. So the church, right? 33 oh, excuse me. AD, Jesus. Slavery of white people. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. Continue. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I did, but I didn't. No. So, but uh, the church. So... 33 AD, Jesus died, rose from the dead, and then you had the church spreading, spreading, spreading. But then a movement came through Christianity called pietism that said, if you really become a Christian, you should give away all your money and go off and live in a cave as a hermit the rest of your life. Withdraw from this terrible world system. Uh, or if you really become a Christian, give away your money and join a monastery and even take vows of silence so you won't even talk to anybody the rest of your life. And it was this, this 
their version of separation of church and state. It was, it's only your relationship with God and forget what's happening in the country, this withdrawal. And, um, and so as a result, the, the Roman Empire, uh, there is one historian that talked about the Colosseum and the games that they would play to the death. And it says in casual brutality that even Christianity could not check. And, um, and then you had a debasing of their coinage. So they didn't have paper currency, they had coins, but you would mix lead in with silver. So there'd be less amount of silver in the coins. And it was their version of, of inflation. So like printing trillions of dollars and, and you know, mm-hmm. and then you had um, uh, these terrorist attacks with Attila the Hun and uh, long and short Britain is left unprotected and marauding bands begin to rob and steal and kidnap. And so Patrick is kidnapped and taken to Ireland. Ireland is ruled by Druids. Druids, had been pagan and they that's where Halloween came from. And they would take the head of their captured enemy and chop it off and stick it on a wooden pole around their little palisade forts. They would kick their enemy's head around like a soccer ball. They would turn heads into goblets and, you know, skull caps into cups to drink their wine. I mean, they were the Druids. And, and so here Patrick is kidnapped and he's a slave to a Druid chieftain for six years. And he begins to remember his parents' Christian faith. And he says, and so later in life, after he did his, his tremendous ministry, uh, he was uh, called to go back to, to Britain to have a little sit-down talk because now that he's famous, somebody remembered that when he was a young man, he said he didn't believe in God. And so supposedly that was a big deal. And so instead of him leaving Ireland because he said he would not leave, he was called there, he would write his confession. And so he says, I was about 16 years old. I did not know the true God. I was taken into captivity in Ireland with many thousands of others and deservedly so because we turned from God and did not keep his commandments. Every day in Ireland, I had to tend sheep. Many times a day I pray. The love of God and his fear came over me more and more so that in a single day, I would say as many as a hundred prayers at night in the woods before daylight through frost, through rain. And then the Lord began to speak to him and uh, in dreams. And so he said, one night he had a dream and in his sleep, a voice said to me, it is well that you fast. Soon you will go to your own country. And again, after a short time, the voice said, see your ship is ready. And so he took flight, went about 200 miles to the coast, found a boat that they were putting wolfhounds on to, to take to Europe to sell his hunting dogs. And he is, um, uh, you know, finally makes his way back to Britain. And it's pretty Excuse uneventful me, until he turns, go ahead. Did- didn't he have a vision of what that boat would look like? Was that true? Um, well, in his confession, he says that, um, uh, you know, it says your ship is ready, but it was not near, it was at near 200 miles distance. So I took flight. And um, so I, okay. I don't know if it actually described it, but, you know, it did say that there was a ship. Um, and so he's back in Britain until he's 40 years old. And then he has another dream. And in this dream, he says, in the depth of the night, I saw a man named Victoricus coming as if from Ireland with innumerable letters. And he gave one to me and it read, ran the cry of the Irish. And while I was reading, I thought I heard the voice of those who were beside the wood of Folkleth near the Western Sea call out, please, holy boy, come and walk among us again. Their cry pierced to my very heart. I could read no more. So I awoke. But he took this as a, took this as a call from God that he was supposed to go back to Ireland as a missionary. 
And sort of like the Apostle Paul had a dream of a guy in Macedonia saying, come over here and preach. And so Patrick goes back with a couple of his other little Irish monks who are unarmed, and they land, and he goes to the farm where he had been a slave and finds it all burnt out in a battle with another tribe. Had he not left, he probably would have been killed. And then he makes his way to the, the local chieftain, and he walks right into the smoky den of this chieftain, and he begins to preach the gospel to him in their own language, which he had learned years and years ago when he had been a slave. And it sort of shocks everybody, and, and as he talks, the, uh, the Druid priests realize that this new religion was gonna displace them from their position of influence in superstition over the, the chieftain. So the Druids wanted to kill Patrick but the chieftain was like, what's the hurry? He's unarmed and we don't get visitors that often and he speaks our language. And so the chieftain ended up giving him some land and converting. And then Patrick's style of evangelism was to go to chieftain after chieftain and confront them. And uh, it's very top-down evangelism and uh, lots of stories. The Druids, he says, daily I expect murder, fraud, or captivity. Uh, but none, I fear none of these things because of the promises of God. One time they caught, captured him and kept him at the point of death for two weeks. He escaped. Another time they laid ambushes for him and he was able to get through. And so we think of the Irish missionaries. He was facing these pagan druids that tried to kill him the whole time. And uh, But one is the famous contest at Tara, T-A-R-A. And it's an area of Ireland where it's sort of flat with rolling hills. And uh, the highest hill uh, is called the hill. Hill of Patrick, Croag Patrick. Well, the chieftain would make everyone in the tribe extinguish their fires in their little hearths and huts once a year, and then bring a gift or a goat or something to the chieftain who would um, give them coals to relight their fire for the next year. And whoever did not extinguish their fires and bring a gift on this night would be killed. Well, it happened to be the night before Easter and Patrick was in bold and he goes to the top of the highest hill and he builds a bonfire that you can see for miles and miles around. <laughs> and so while everybody's coming and paying tribute to these Druid chieftains, they say, well, what about that guy? How come he doesn't have to put his fire out? And so the chieftain sends a bunch of guys uh, up there to kill Patrick. And Patrick cries out in a loud voice, may God come and scatter his enemies. And these guys are struck down. And then finally the chieftain comes and he comes on bended knee and he ends up converting. And, uh, and, and another time there was um, a Druid and Patrick had a confrontation and the Druid conjures up a fog and it's so thick you can't see. And Patrick says, okay, that's nice. Can you disperse it? And he couldn't. So Patrick prays and suddenly the beams of light shine through the cloud and disperses the cloud. And then the, the history says, and then the Druid fell down and was consumed in fire. It's like, okay, I'm not quite sure what, what happened there. And the chieftain said, it is better to convert than to be burned. You know, and, um, there's lots of stories that are passed down about Patrick. Um, and some are more believable than others. Um, but there's even stories of him raising people from the dead and chasing the snakes out of Ireland. And, and again, there's really no way to verify, but, um, but he did find Ireland heathen and left it Christian. And he baptized like 120,000 people and started 300 churches. And since they were all illiterate, he would use things to help explain the gospel. Like he would use the three leaf clover to explain the Trinity. 
right? Father, Son, Holy Ghost, three in one. And, um, uh, and so this, uh, it was, a, was in the next century, it was Irish missionaries that went back to Europe that evangelized those heathen hordes that had overrun the Roman Empire that started the whole thing off, right? So China builds the wall, these, you know, all these Visigoths and Ostrogoths and Attila the Hun come in, Roman Empire falls, but you got this little island and Patrick and these monks that are preserving Christianity. So I wrote a book, it's called St. Patrick, The Real Story from His Amazing Life from Tragedy to Triumph. But in the book, I quote uh, Thomas Cahill's book, How the Irish Saved Civilization, right? So while Ro Europe is being overrun by Attila the Hun, you got these little Irish monks that are transcribing scriptures and have their monasteries and they're saving it. And the next century it was those Irish that re-evangelized Europe. The Irish idea of evangelizing was to go down to the coast, get in a boat, a little dinghy boat, raise the sail, and wherever the wind blew you, that's where the Holy Spirit wanted you to be a missionary. How'd you like that? Wow. That'd be pretty interesting. Um, wow. And one guy, and also one guy, they had, they had also uh, taken Western literature, Western civilization's repository of literature, and copied that, right, and preserved it through the Dark Ages. Yeah, and so one story is famous is Columba, and Columba, uh, which means dove, uh, he was. This is just the generation after Patrick. He. Uh, snuck into a neighboring castle and borrowed a copy of the Psalms. And he took it into his king's castle and copied it, took him a year. And then he snuck the original back into that first castle. Well, the king of the first castle wanted the copy, but the king of the second castle said, no, no, you got your original. And it broke out into a battle where 3000 people died. And so this, uh, Columba was so upset at what he thought was a good thing, it turned into 3,000 people. He voluntarily banishes himself to the island of Iona, which is this little outcropping between Ireland and England. And he lives off of clams down on the beach and he builds a little stone hut and he uses a, a stone for a pillow and he gathers a following of other guys. And they're so austere, they recite by memory, all 150 Psalms every day. And then they decide that they're gonna go back to uh, evangelize the Scots and the Picts and then the British. And then after that, there's another missionary called Columbanus and he goes to Europe and starts hundreds of monasteries and churches. And uh, so they sort of reseed Europe after it was uh, conquered and um, by these uh, you know invading hordes a century earlier. And uh, one monk, uh, Irish monk, was blown to the west. He got in his little dinghy boat and was blown to the west. And nobody saw him for seven years. He finally makes his way back. And he describes something that sounds like North America. And so in the uh, Annapolis, Maryland, the Naval Academy, they have a chapel. And in the chapel, uh, among all their different stained glass windows, there's one stained glass window, a St. Brendan, the Irish monk that was blown to the west. And... Um, so, uh, you have this fascinating story. There's a St. Bridget and she's the generation after Patrick. And she boldly goes to these chieftains and says, you should give me land to build a convent or an abbey or a monastery. Okay. And Bill? they would give her land. 
I hate to do this, but we've got 30 seconds left. Do you want to stay over and finish this or do you want to encourage people to read it? I don't know what your schedule's like. Yeah, well, I, I need to get back to my table um, at this convention. Um, but AmericanMinute.com is my website, AmericanMinute.com. And the title of the book is St. Patrick, The Real Story of His Amazing Life from Tragedy to Triumph. Also, I have a DVD on it. Okay, and, thanks, um, Bill. Just a real inspiring Ten seconds. Story. Thank you. I appreciate you joining us today. Folks, come back after the break. Uh, it's uh, Your American Heritage. We got five seconds. We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way. We could be the generation that finally breaks the chains. We were made to be courageous. We were made to be courageous. We were warriors on the front lines, standing unafraid. Hi, folks. Thanks for returning to your American heritage. Once again, I'm your host, Ed Bondarenka. Uh, the phone number is 734-822-1600. I'm sorry that that was so rushed with Bill. I didn't find out till just before the show that he was doing that uh, homeschooling con conference in uh, South Carolina. And quite frankly, every minute away from his table might be a lost sale of DVDs or books or the like. So it was very gracious of him to give us that half hour. And, uh, and I appreciate it, I, I trust you do too. Um, so there are a couple things that I was, I've been considering talking about for a while, anyhow on this show. And uh, one of them is this uh, clip from John Voigt that uh, he spoke about to Tucker Carlson. And uh, I'm not gonna play that. Instead, I'm gonna play a, a clip of James Lindsay on the Joe Rogan show. I want you to listen to this. I think this is very important also. From the Marxist perspective, having studied the history of Marxism to the 20th century, I'm telling you, this guy, George Lukács in Hungary laid this plan out because you get these kids like you break down their innocence sexually, especially uh, what you can do is then you're going to they're going to go home and they're going to tell their parents that there's some like lith romantic, you know, demisexual, you know, tree, tree self gender, some, you know, pronouns tree, tree self or something that some and the parents are going to be like, what, you know, and they're going to be like, mom, you just don't understand, you know, so that you separate. The, the younger generation from the older generations. So you get them to break away and think that they're old fogies, that they're repressive. You don't want me to be my true self, et cetera. The goal is actually to destabilize the kid's identity so that they're groomable. That's identity without an essence in queer theory. And then they're groomable. You groom them into the stuff. And then they look at their parents' culture. They look at their parents themselves. They look at their parents' generation. They look at the parents' religion and they say, that doesn't represent me. We need something completely different. So it's to set, it's to, just like in Mao's cultural revolution, and I mean that much more literally than, than you might suspect, it's to cut the tie between the continuity of culture up to that point, including the family, and to start a whole new culture afterwards. I mean, Pol Pot called it year zero, I guess Klaus Schwab calls it the great reset. Um, but the goal is to separate the new generation from the traditions and views of the old generation. For Mao, it was to destroy the so-called four olds, old culture, old habits, old customs, and old ways of thinking. There's a lot to unpack in there. And frankly, I did not speed it up. That's the, that's the speed that guy talks at. He gets a lot out, a lot of thoughts per second. And a uh, couple things going on in part of that conversation that he had. Imagine three hours of that with uh, Joe Rogan. <laughs> that's a lot. And um, there's a couple things in there. One is the grooming of our children by sexual predators. And the other was the concept of the Great Reset, year zero, like he said, uh, Paul Pot, 
the uh, famous Cambodian uh, dictator who slaughtered the intelligentsia in that country. Uh, there's a there is this. I may have spoken about it before. There's a Amazon Prime series based on a book. It's really good series called uh, The Man in the High Castle. And in it, the Nazis have won the war. They're ruling America. And now it's the 1960s. And they've decided it's time for their great reset. There's too much American resistance, too much of a holding on to American culture and American history and uh, and, and a rebelliousness that's there against this uh, rule of their their lives. And so the Ministry of uh, Propaganda decides to come out with Yar Null or Year Zero. Where have we heard that before? A great reset. And during this during this push, the uh, Ministry of Propaganda starts filming the destruction of statues, historical statues in America, the destruction of our history. And that's what is the attempt of the left today to detach us from Western civilization. Now, I, I hope it was clear. We were kind of rushed with uh, the, the the story about Patrick. Patrick uh, of Ireland didn't just preserve Christianity and pass it on to Europe. Actually, send it back. You know, the monasteries in Ireland. These guys who memorized works. These guys who copied them. Uh, the Book of Kells is one of the most is regarded as the most beautiful book in the world. And it's an illustrated book that the Irish, who were illiterate when Patrick got there, had then created. And so they brought back all the great literature, the Greek philosophers and the Bible, took it all back to Europe. And then other stuff happened from there where the uh, there were different uh, uh, political issues that happened between the Protestants and the Irish, which eventually drove the Puritans to this shore. It all ties together. It's one thing I like about about uh, Bill is that he always shows you it didn't just start there. There was stuff that led up to it. Imagine like the Great Wall of China, like he said, pushing the the uh, barbarians to the gates of Rome instead wherein uh, they affected the Roman Empire, which was very weak and soft at that time, which sounds a lot like America today. We've heard that uh, analogy for years. And uh, the bread and circuses and the uh, basic universal income that they had at that time. And so they went soft, right? Now this guy, James Lindsay, he's talking also about, about the grooming of our children. And um, I wrote, I'll just read it to you, this is war. This is a fight for the soul of our nation, literally. These debased leftists are trying to capture the souls of our children. They are grooming them in the classroom like Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell were grooming those teenage girls she brought to him before he did not kill himself. They're teaching our kids to be subjected to them in humiliating ways, forcing them to wear masks of subjection all day long like a dominatrix would, and then exposing them to pornography, sexual perverts at reading time in the library, and then training them in sexual techniques. You know, they have this thing in Florida called the don't, gay, don't say gay law. And it really isn't a don't say gay law. There's nothing in there about saying gay. It's the left has twisted the publicity for that law into something that it isn't. It's actually about keeping teachers from talking to your kids about their sexuality and sexual practices or even keeping them from encouraging them towards sexual practices. They're in school to learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. 
not, well, I want to watch what I say here, but there's other R words. There's, there's, we don't need them to learn the sexual perversions that these leftist teachers are putting on them. And I'm not saying all teachers are leftists, don't get me wrong. I know quite a few good ones in my family and friends. There's a, a Lona Rugg who can now come out from uh, under her uh, nom de guerre as uh, Donna X because she's out of that school system and she's speaking about this and CRT. I mean, this, this whole effort to groom our children to be something other than we want. And they've been doing it in the universities for quite some time and we're sending good kids in who are ill-prepared to defend their faith and they're coming out of these, these grooming mills and they're coming out good little leftists. <sighs> Let's talk to Joe from Wyandotte for a second. Hi, Joe. Hello, brother. How are you? I'm fine. I'm calmer now. What's up? <laughs> uh, to, here's something you could steal to maintain the R things. Yes, we want them to learn reading, writing, arithmetic, not radicalism or raunch. Right? No yep. raunchiness. It's not a don't say gay. It's don't talk about sexuality at all to children. Let them be children. And I, like you, I recommend The Man from High Castle. Very good. At least the first two seasons. Then it kind of goes afoul. Just watch the first two seasons. But you, there's other things like now we see Star Trek. Picard, it's all about supposedly preventing a radical president that's going to destroy the world from getting elected in 2024. Well, gee, I wonder what that's about. Or just Yeah, Gary from Arizona told us about that last week, too. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, or Star Trek Discovery now. Stacey Abrams <laughs> as the president of Earth. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> what? Well, that that's bizarre. That's oh, absolutely you haven't bizarre. heard yeah. that one yet? Yeah. Okay. But, no, last week you talked about this, the grooming, the grooming thing. That's why they wanted uh, religion out of schools, secularizing. If you don't believe in something bigger than self, then you'll fall for anything, or you'll fall for the climate cultism. Or other isms they want to groom and peddle to our kids. All right, love you, brother. Take care. God bless. I'll chat with you later. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, they don't want us worshiping the one true God. They want us worshiping Gaia, the god of the goddess Earth. They actually believe that Earth is a sentient being, and you know it's not nice to fool Mother Nature. Um, so, boy, I, I hope I wasn't repeating myself with this, but it's worth saying anyhow, this, this fight for the soul of our nation, our kids, fighting for our kids. And like we were talking to Bill earlier, you know, he's at a homeschooling conference. Well, that's one, one way of getting kids out of that morass. If you're really worried about protecting your kids and you can't, you can't protect them in the classroom, then get them out. I know it's difficult. There's ways of doing that. There are churches that have started uh, um, schools in their church buildings with, uh, and I don't mean the traditional Catholic schools. I'm not denigrating them. I'm a product, of, proud product of Catholic schools. They didn't turn me into a leftist. They they tried in high school. It didn't work. 
But um, there are a number of schools that uh, that are in like the the fellowship halls of churches where they're, they're it's almost like homeschool, but they've shared their resources, pooled their resources. And we mentioned uh, Gary from Tucson a second ago, and Gary's on the phone right now. Gary? Uh, Let's see, Derek's talking to somebody, so maybe when he's done, he can put Gary on the phone. Hi, Gary. How are you doing? There we go. What's up? (laughs) Hey, uh, you know, what you're talking about is deadly serious. I mean, these people are literally perverting the living daylights out of our children. They're grooming them as you're talking. But not only that, our government is so prophetic. They are actually causing the death of Americans, and they don't even care. And the reason I say that is because, look look at the border. Um, hundreds of thousands of Americans are killed every day. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Hundreds of thousands of Americans are killed because of the border. Do they do anything about it? No. So, therefore, they are tentatively responsible for those deaths. Uh, they send our men off to war now and send them into a grinder, and they do not expect to win the war. They don't care about winning the war. They just want to, the war to continue. They're letting criminals out, people who rape, kill, and do all manner of things to citizens. They're just letting them out. So our, our murder um, is going up all over the United States. Abortion, obviously. But this crazy notion of the grooming and changing the the mind of our children and their the very essence of what they think they are and how they behave and where they exist in society, that is going to cause so much suicide and destruction and corruption and pain over the decades that we can't even fathom because we're not going to be around. And, and this is what the Democrats are actually doing to us as we speak, which is destroying our culture, destroying the United States, destroying the people, destroying the kids, and these are Democrats. These are people that were elected into office to protect and serve and, and keep our country strong, keep our people safe and prosperous, and they're failing. They're failing miserably, and they need to be arrested. They need to be charged with all of these felonies, like grooming children, all these people. I'm talking we need to build 50 prisons just for them and just stick them in there. Thanks. Thanks, Gary. You know, I was listening to the Conservative Daily podcast a couple days ago and uh, with Joe Altman. And they were talking about this guy in Wisconsin. They were talking about the the certified election fraud, the actual election fraud that we talked about last week. The election fraud that's that's undeniable in Wisconsin. And there's a guy running for governor there who says, elect me for governor, elect me for governor, and we we will create more rules, more laws to prevent this. Nothing was said about arresting the people who are verifiably criminal, verifiably stole this election, the last election of 2020, at least in that state. And no, we, there's no repercussions for those people. Just we'll change things going forward. That's, that's not right. That's not wrong. People need to repent. And I'm sorry, even if you repent, you need to go to jail and pay it off. Absolutely. Uh, these, these people are committing um, civilizational genocide. They are destroying the civilization from within, from from the very heart of it, our children. I mean, the things that our children are going through, uh, I can't get it out of my head. You know, I just went to the wall um, thrift store to get a couple books for my granddaughter. I had to go through 
the whole thing before I found one appropriate because they were all, well, a lot of them, were these um, things about, oh, my, uh, my daughter's skin is too light. She, she passes as a mm. white girl, so I don't know what to do about it kind of stories, you know. And, and it's just not something we want our kids to be involved in, but they're saturated with it. You can't get away from it. Like he was just saying, right. now Stacey Abrams gets to be king of the world. <laughs> that, it's, it's not funny. How did that buffoon, how in heaven's name do people take her seriously? Hey, yeah. Gary, thanks for calling, brother. I got to get on to a real, uh, another, another warrior in the battle, okay? All right, brother, later. Thanks, talk to you later. And now we're going to hear from Alona Rugg because I mentioned her name. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Hi, Lona. Uh, hello, guys. How are you this morning? Just fine. What's up? Uh, well, just on the topic that you were discussing, um, the information that's coming out, it's always new. Um, the curriculum that they're coming out with the sex ed and health class. Uh, for instance, in Novi, but this is not just in Novi. This is international. They're pushing it through. They're starting with first graders. I'm going to read you what the new lesson is in Novi, and it's going to be implemented in a couple weeks, but they do train their teachers first in this, and then they start implementing it on the children. This is for second grade. It says, this lesson for lower elementary students overviews the various components of a person's identity and helps students practice treating others with dignity and respect Using a short video and scenarios, this lesson helps students understand that all students should be treated respectfully. Now, that sounds okay, <laughs> because it's always under the disguise that, oh, you want kids to treat each other with respect and kindness. But it's also pushing in the agenda. For instance, it says, this lesson for lower elementary students provides the foundational concept of gender, so that students can then understand gender identity and gender role stereotypes. Helping students reflect on things like color, toys, and careers, this lesson teaches students that gender should not be a limiting factor in being who you are and living authentically. And that's first grade. Why? Why? I just don't understand why. Right. Well, you know, there are... This is through a company that is putting this whole uh, curriculum together for students in the public school, um, and they're adopting it. But, you know, and I asked some of the parents, how can teachers teach this and not have uh, some moral uh, consciousness to teach this stuff? And this parent said... Um, there are teachers that think like we do, but they're afraid to say anything. My response would be, if you're going to teach this, then you're just as guilty as the ones who believe this. You know, I was thinking of Patrick of Ireland uh, when Bill was talking about it and the bravery and the courage that he showed in going back to Ireland and confronting people who would kill him. And we got people, we've got doctors who won't stand up to hospital administrators and actually administer ivermectin and save lives. They they come right out and admit it. I, I can't do that or it'll be my life, uh, it'll be my livelihood. And the same with teachers 
coming up and saying, I can't do that or I'll have to find another job. And thank God we've had people like your husband who stood up and said, look, I'm not taking that shot. It's I, I don't care. I'll give up the career. I can't do that in all good religious conscience. Yeah? Right. And I'd like to say, if there are teachers in public school right now that are listening to this show and you're not standing up for what's right, shame on you. Because you're you're doing the same thing as those teachers that are agreeing with this junk if you're not standing up to it. And you're, you're in the classroom teaching it to these kids because this is wrong, it's immoral, and you shouldn't be doing this. And you need to push back. And don't be afraid. I did the same thing when I was in public school. You guys have to stand up. Yes. Sorry, I'm but getting at angry. At the same time, <laughs> you were letting us know about it, and you were pushing back. So once again, folks, uh, that's Fireman Tim at Give, Send, Go. Uh, please support Tim Rugg in, in his uh, struggle to uh, push back against the Ann Arbor Pol uh, Fire Department and, and uh, in the case that he's pursuing against them. Thanks for coming on alone. I appreciate it. We've got oh, you're welcome, Gary. Guys. Have a good weekend. Thank you. We've got Walter, I should say, from Ypsilanti on the phone. Hi, Walter. Make it quick, buddy. No, hey, don't tell people where I live at, Ed. I have, have man Negroes from Detroit coming after me. <laughs> well, you're you're really in Belleville, but I wasn't going to tell people that. Wait a minute. I'm gonna send them to your, I did. I'm gonna send those. I'm gonna send those. Uh, refer those mad, angry blacks from Detroit to your show. Okay. I know you can stand up to them. <laughs> hey, you need some work to do, man. I've had hey, people hey. come to my door. It's scary. All right, go on. Get on with it. You got a minute? Hey, Ed. Uh, I want to reinforce what you're saying about this in, uh, this hellbound indoctrination um, centers on our public schools. That's a little bit more, it goes a little bit deeper than that. Any parent that sends their kids to public school, um, no, let me rephrase that. You got parents that have sent their kids to the alternative schools, the Christian schools. But the problem is you can send them to those schools, but if you take them to schools, take them to churches, youth, youth pastors, and, and rely on them to be your, their surrogate parents, tell them about God, but you don't do it at your house, have Bible studies and prayer with your kids. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the biggest child abuses are those who re re refuse to introduce at an early age God creator to their kids, and Jesus Christ, their Savior. Those are the biggest child abusers. And you can be a Christian going to church and being a child abuser because you rely, they, Christians relying on pastors to teach their kids the things of God, youth pastors, and all they become is a babysitter's club, like these public schools' babysitter clubs. So it goes further than that. We always blame it on the public schools. But I tell you what, if what your kid ain't got, they won't have anyway. They haven't got Jesus Christ in their own hearts. Uh, starting at home by the parents teaching them the ways, things of God. Yeah, and, and as we really both know, there's no guarantee like that your they kids can go to any environment, and they will shout. They they will stand against any secular uh, school teacher or college, and still have their Christian faith even at a young age. That's our problem these days. We don't have no young Daniels, Josephs, and, and others as examples. Yeah. But anyway. I just want to add that to it. Good, good stuff you're talking about, though. Well, I appreciate your calling. You know, you, you talked about the alternative schools, and I was thinking that the parents who offer up their children to the altar of Moloch by just sending them off to these liberal hellholes where they're going to, you know, be indoctrinated and, and confused and, um, 
Yeah, well, we know we know the story. We know what's going on. So thanks, Walter. Thanks for calling in. I guess he said goodbye. So um, we've got about 30 seconds before the music starts. And I just wanted to say, I was thinking about playing this John Voigt clip because one thing that's that he talks about in this clip, I may get to it someday, but it's about five minutes long. And I didn't think I had that today. He talks about how he was spoken to by God in, in his heart. And God told him it's supposed to be difficult. He was complaining about how difficult it was. It's supposed to be difficult. Yeah, difficulties will focus you. So like Patrick in, Iron, in Ireland, difficulties focused him. When you face difficulties, folks, turn to God. Thanks for joining us. Spend your American heritage. Stay tuned for a moment of clarity. Thank you. <laughs>